slow and steady, wins the race. And as a bonus in this episode, if you're interested in how to build a real estate empire while raising a young, growing family all at the same time, you are going to love this upcoming episode. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here, so on fire this morning. Whew, she's a good day. Well, hang on a sec here, just gotta, hang on, let me just uh, do this. Oh, oh, ah. That, no, that isn't a beer, by the way. That's a cracking a, a Zoa energy drink. You know, me and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, you know, when I look in the mirror, I, I, I have a hard time determining if it's Russell or The Rock. I really have a hard time doing that. What's today on the uh, Zoa energy drink? Oh, today is Tropical Punch. Hang on a sec here. Nice and tasty. Now, for many of you, you're probably sitting there going, okay, Russ, that's kind of gross that we've now <laughs> listened to you have a, have a drink from an, ener an energy drink. And, and yeah, Dwayne Johnson, oh, come on, really? Really? Maybe, maybe Danny DeVito, maybe. <laughs> All right, gang. So we're having a good day. Today's, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a morning already. We've, um, Got all, got the exercise in, got all the workouts in. I got a couple um, uh, analyzing a couple more deals on the plate right now. Offer has been. I just saw just before I jumped on and hit the old record button. I saw an offer from DocuSign has just been sent over my way. So looks like we're going to be submitting another offer here on another project in Edmonton upcoming. So wish me luck. Hope we get it accepted for what we're looking for. I've got a couple projects on on the go right now and really just starting to to really um, systematize this whole process of this infill development opportunities. Honest to goodness, the more we've, you know, the more we dive into this, um, this opportunity and the more layers deeper we go, the more the opportunities are showing up. Like, it's just crazy. Some of the ones that I was just talking with uh, my business partner and my business associate this morning and, uh, you know, just a couple other ones just came across the plate right now. We're we're already, you know, potentially looking to pounce and maybe write some offers on that as well. So gang, if you're ever interested in having a conversation to see if some infill opportunities is available are up your alley in the Edmonton marketplace, by all means, hit me up. Let me know. I've had a, a couple conversations. Um, it's not for everybody. It truly isn't. But if it is for you, if it is a fit for you, these are incredible opportunities that you can sink your teeth into. And and right now I'm just um, tapping into a pipeline, a pipeline of inventory, a pipeline of some product that um, is just, I haven't seen numbers like this for years. Honest to goodness. Um, I've been doing this for 25 years and I haven't been this excited about acquisitions since I, when I first probably bought uh, 50, you know, a property a month for a better part of five years. I can envision going on a tear like that again. I really could. And I think there's some incredible um, opportunities at foot right now. So gang, long-winded way of saying is if you are interested to see if this is a fit for you to want to be part of um, doing some infill opportunities, buying by the yard, selling by the foot, adding some density, adding some cash flow, adding some multiple layers of exit strategies, having an incredible financing package that uh, these there's a, the opportunity for the financing on these things is 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 really off the charts 
and I'm going to be having a conversation with uh, a couple go-to experts on the financing realm upcoming on the podcast here as well. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. More details to come. Stay tuned. More information about the financing opportunities. And stay tuned. I'm probably going to be announcing something. Give me about a month. And once I've kind of have uh, got a... um, you know, what's the best way to put it? Once I have multiple ones of these opportunities at my plate, and I will be probably going out to you, my loyal podcast listeners, if you would like to um, participate on maybe picking up one of these for yourself, or if you'd like my help to, you know, with some guidance and some um, some consultations and things like that. I can definitely help you out with that. Or if you'd like to uh, invest alongside me, I think there's an incredible opportunity there. Let's put it this way. Something for everybody um, if it's a fit for you. So step number one is you need to just maybe book a time and see if this is a fit for you. Okay, so onto the podcast for today. Um, had a wonderful conversation and caught up with a fantastic real estate investor. Um, Carlene Sue, and Carlene is out of Calgary, and we obviously t- chatted about Calgary, and we obviously talked about some of the projects she's doing. But she had just such a wonderful story, and her her story, which really resonated with me, was a couple things. Number one is, uh, and I we talked about this on the episode, is that she was, you know, when she eventually wanted to leave her job, it was something that she was um, taking a step back. She she mentioned that it was a take a step back you know, kept taking a step back from her career. But actually the one of the realizations we came to kind of together on this is she wasn't, she she was stepping back from nothing. She was stepping towards and she was stepping into her passion. She was stepping towards her vision. She was stepping towards and stepping forward into her calling and her purpose. And uh, she shared a wonderful story. And the story really goes, and I'm not going to give all the details because it's a fantastic story. The story truly was, is, you know, started, you know, and, you know, and slow and steady, you know, just with one property in northern north, I think it was northwest Calgary. And it was a it was a rough property in a rough area, attracted a rough tenant profile. And she just cut her teeth and she just learned the process. And then along the way, you know, uh babies happened and life happened and career kept happening. And she just kept coming back to real estate and just kept coming back and kept coming back. And and it's funny and she was just announcing, you know, I was sitting there going, so Carly, like where are you at within your portfolio now? She goes, Oh uh, you know I think it's roughly around 20 million and 85 doors. And it was just like, Carly, like, holy macaroni. Is this like, so let's celebrate this. This is fantastic. Like, it's amazing. On the same day, I had the conversation with another fellow, and I think he was into 350 units at the same time. Um, the point I'm trying to get to is, gang, us humble Canadians is like, let, let's, you know, from time to time, let's celebrate and let's toot our own horn, right? No, if nobody else is going to toot it for you, might as well toot your own horn yourself. So Carlene, I know you're humble and I hope you listen to this. I know you're, you're very um, relentless and you're very driven and you're very humble in your approach. I'm tooting your horn for you. So toot toot on top of all that, Carlene and I dove headfirst into a lot of the, some of the development she's doing in Calgary and Edmonton right now. She's doing some multiplex developing herself. And we shared some of the numbers and we shared some of the information. We shared some of the details. And I think she said, what does she have? Seven projects, seven projects on the go right now. So upwards of like 50, 60 units on the go right now. So Carlene, you're just crushing it. Keep on going. All right, gang, with all that being said, make sure you stick around right to the very end. Got a special message for you there. 
And without any further delay, please help me welcome to the podcast, Carlene Sue. Carlene, welcome to the show today. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Well, yeah. Car- Carlene, you're always, I consider you one of the most interesting people in real estate. If you just follow your Facebook for a little bit, you're you're always somewhere. Like you're, you're somewhere. Like, <laughs> and the last time we connected, you were down in Arizona or you're on some beach or in some ski hill. And it's just like, you're, you're like the most interesting person in real estate. And, and I'm, I'm grateful that we had finally a chance that we can connect and sit down together. So, so welcome to welcome here today. Yeah, no, thank you. It's nice for us to connect. And, um, you know, I love what you're doing in your space, too. And so I'm happy to just be here and, and share and have a chat. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, where are you today? Okay. Well, today I'm at home. I'm in my home office. Happy to be here <laughs> in my control center. Yes, in Calgary, right? Yeah, in nice. Calgary. And how long have you been in Calgary for? Oh, I pretty much spent my lo- my whole life here. You know, except for a few few years in Ontario in my childhood years. Basically, I grew up here. Well, it's 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 rare to find somebody in in Calgary that's kind of born and raised type of thing. Most people from Calgary have come from some other right. place, fell in love with something, or or married someone in the area or yeah. something, and and then just made Calgary their home because they realize it's such a wonderful place to to live. It's it's not all it's not all cowboys and and winter out there, is it, Carlene? No. And honestly, it is a great place to grow up and it is a good place to raise a family. So, you know, I'm not a fan of, I'll say, the cold weather and I need to decide how that's going to go um, down the road. But but honestly, it is a great city. It has so much stuff going for it. And and obviously, you know, relationships too. It's I've got family, so it makes, you know. I'll be here for a little while. More. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to talk about Calgary here because yeah. um, Calgary is, you know, an off air. And last time we chatted, Calgary is literally um, the star in Canada at the moment for, yeah. for, for real estate, for economics, for a lot of um, um, growth right now. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like Calgary and everywhere else almost. <laughs> right? Yes. And uh, and we'll definitely unpack that. But before we do, um, I believe that you need to be shared with a larger audience because we need more Carlene Sue in in the marketplace and we need more. So, Carlene, I I don't think enough people know who you are. Uh, I really do. And I think you need to we need to distribute you and distribute your message to a wider audience. Maybe for people that aren't familiar with who you are, give us a little backstory about you and then also kind of that moment when you got the real estate bug and then we'll, we'll just see where the conversation goes. Like I said, I'm born and raised here, um, went to school here, grew up more in the Northwest side and attended some, some just some great schools and went to University of Calgary. When I was in university, you know, my, my mom was a bit more investment minded and she would kind of take my red envelope, red envelope money and she would help me invest in some stocks. And so I think growing up, I kind of kind of got that. I always thought um, that was a good idea. And I think I've always been kind of more financially astute um, and, and enjoyed numbers. And so I went to university for under marketing, did a marketing major. But then as I got out of school and I entered the oil and gas industry, I then got into marketing in oil and gas, which is actually very finance-based. So then I started doing financial modeling and all of that. So I think all of that kind of came together. And then really, I just started, um, you know, like, you know, I'm working now, what should I be doing? I should probably be investing in maybe some real estate. 
And that's how I kind of, that's kind of a bit of how things got started. So there's no, uh, there was no, uh, your back was up against the wall and you had desperation and you couldn't make, you couldn't make a a payment. It was, it was more inspiration for you. Like people change because of inspiration or desperation and you were more of an, an what was maybe, what was some of the inspire inspiration for you that kind of led you into this world of real estate? Well, first, I think that's a really a neat way of looking at it. I never really thought about that, but I think that's pretty insightful, right? Like, so for me, I guess it was inspiration. You know, I think it was just listening to what I was drawn to. You know, I've always liked houses, driving by them. Even now, as I grow my portfolio, it gives me pride to just add another asset, make it look good, knowing that it's financially sound. But I guess, you know, I think... Two, I, I, I can't remember if this was before or after, but I do remember attending a real estate seminar. It was, I think, a three-day one. I think it was the precursor to actually the rain ladder. I remember learning about the rain ladder, but I didn't know it was actually the same organization, but but before it changed ownership. So anyway, I can't quite remember if that came first or came after, but I think that just helped solidify some of my, you know, my plans to just, you know, why not get started in real estate earlier on like well, I don't have to wait till I'm later you know I do believe in hustling a bit I was like you know fine I've got a great full-time job but what else can I do you know how else can I make another side income or um, invest it so that it actually is growing for me yep so what uh, what was the first company that you grad you when you graduated university you went into oil and gas oh go figure um, somebody from Calgary going into an oil and gas right, company <laughs> downtown like how 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 cliche if you will right right <laughs> which was the yeah. co- what was the company it was called Harrison Pipelines okay it, it had a few evolution of names because it was got sold and bought out and stuff came Kinder Morgan etc um, but yeah that was the first one that I started and and when was that. Gosh, I think that was year 2000. Right. Yeah. The turn of the century. Yes, yes that's right. <laughs> wow, you you just you just look like a baby though. It's like you you've been <laughs> and, and I'm not going to ask you how old you are. Um uh, I will, we will we'll keep that one our, our secret, but honest to goodness, I I'm I'm quite surprised that you started in around, you know, 20 some years ago. I would have never I would have never yeah. guessed that. So yeah. You, you've stumbled across this world of real estate investing and, and what, um, so did you take action like right away or did you just, your, your, did your analysis brain come out and you had to model things and do, I bet you have the best spreadsheets out there possible, don't you? You are correct. <laughs> you are absolutely correct about that. Yes. And you know what? That's a good question because I didn't go, I didn't do it right away. And and this is where, you know, hopefully this kind of gives some other people some insight either to themselves kind of accepting that, yes, it is hard to take that first step. Because I remember I did have some paralysis, analysis paralysis, because I remember looking at a number of different properties with this realtor. And God bless him. He was actually very patient with me. I mean, he he's taking around this university kid, like recently graduated kid all around, showing me lots of different properties. And and um luckily we were we had been focusing on Sweden, Sweden properties, which we can probably get into later. But I think that was a good thing, you know. My fuzz, my memory is a bit fuzzy. I can't remember if I initiated that or what, but anyways. 
But I do remember going around quite a bit. And I know after a while, he actually did get a bit frustrated because it was taking a while. But, you know, you have to actually be comfortable. But then what I've also learned is you also have to take action. So, you know, to answer your question, yeah, you have to know enough to kind of, and then maybe it's actually after losing one, like the one that got away that then you're like, okay, the next one, I'll be ready. And so I feel like that was kind of like my first, very first start. So you bought a, a a, so was it a personal residence that you bought first or did you buy a revenue property first? It was a revenue property. So I'm, I'm like, I've got Chinese heritage. And so uh, we do still live with family members and stuff like with the family for until we, we get married. And so at that time, honestly, it was just, okay, where can I put my money um, in an investment property? And, and um, I bought one in kind of like inner city, Northwest neighborhood of Calgary. Um, it was Sweden. It was kind of like, you know, even the same type of property I would buy now, like two or three bedrooms up, two bedrooms down. And yeah. do, you, do you still own that place? No. Okay. Um, so what happened there was I, you know, it was probably pretty good timing when I started. So I started, I think when I did get that, it was in 2002. And if anybody lived in Calgary, <laughs> remembered, yep. that was pretty much the start of the boom that happened in Calgary, where the properties doubled basically within um, two to four years. And so I was a young landlord. I did the landlording thing for two years, took over, took over a property where a property as well as tenants a tenant, you know, and and it was intimidating. He was a rougher, older guy. And here I was like a young lady trying to tell him what the rules were <laughs> and some things. And, and, and that was fine. Like I learned things there, brought some students into the basement uh, unit too, and ran it for a while. But I have some, yeah, I do have some interesting stories. <laughs> yeah. So, so you literally just prescribed to just, just do it and put yes. not just toe in the water, but both feet in, in the in the deep end of the pool and and figure it out as you go. So you kind of did did you do the whole self management thing? Mm-hmm. You you bought it. You did you did you have some help with the first property or were you able to buy it on your own? Uh, how how did that go? Yeah. Okay. No, I did have help. My yeah. my parents helped me come up with some of the down payment money, and I'll always always be grateful. And I think you know that just shows me that. You know, if, if you can give your kids a hand a hand up, it can get them so much further right at the start. But, you know, in a way that's as well. So, yes, I got help with the down payment. And then I just managed it and everything all by myself. So basically just kind of understanding the landlord rules, you know, the Alberta Tenancy Act, you know, coming up with the lease and, you know, the type of policies you have to put in place so that you actually aren't run by your tenant, but instead, you know, you set the guidelines of how things are going to go. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know. It's funny how, uh, and there's an old saying as, you know, there's there's a couple ways in how to learn how to do proper, to, to manage a property. And that's number one is learn, go through the time and effort to learn it yourself or have the tenant yes. teach you. Right. And, yes. and that having the tenant teach you property management is is the more expensive of the two, by the way. 
It is. So you bought that place in yeah. 2002 on, on yeah. the run was starting to go up. And now yeah. it sounded like you had a little bit of a pause for a couple of years. Tell us, tell us about the journey. Yeah. Like I think, you know, I was doing all this while I was still working. Um, I was, you know, getting into my job, trying to, you know, learn the ropes of that, doing that full time. And then just kind of had this on the side and I would try to manage it and um, really just kind of doing the things that I think as they came, because you have to deal with things. And, you know, it wasn't always fun. I remember distinctly, I did have a midnight move from that first tenant where, you know, I come when I'm like, hey, where's the rent? It's not coming. I go there. It's like, oh, they're gone. And they left some nice beat up furniture for me to take away. You know, there's that. I had, I had rented out the basement to a group of students, maybe just two or three and they had subleased the parking the parking uh, stalls that I had, and I didn't even know. So these are all funny things that you know. Looking back, it's like, oh boy, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and interesting for some perspective. If people hear the term "midnight move" and in in an Alberta landlord going, "Oh, that's ter- it's horrible as a midnight move." If you were renting in Ontario or British Columbia, you go, "Thank oh, God, a midnight yeah. move." They left. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes, so true, so true. <laughs> right. So it's it, you know it's I often joke and I I belong to a couple Facebook groups of managers and self so just to keep my finger on the pulse of things and yeah. and I, I often I I sit back and I go gang Ontario uh, Alberta landlords we have it so good compared to other mm-hmm. jurisdictions like when somebody's telling me that they haven't received rent for 13 months and they still don't even have it a hearing date and the tenants living in the place and yeah. holding up a sale and they literally can hold up a sale because they won't let people in and they're they're tanking the values of the property but anyways we could go on and on and on about that so when did you when did you buy your your next place after that first foray it didn't scare you obviously because we're still we're talking when when was the next place and what did you do well i should tell you what happened to that place because i think that that does make a difference so what happened was after like you know the market got really hot And the value basically doubled in those two years that I had held it. And so at that time, I was like, well, you know, how do we unlock this value? I'm like, well, I guess I'll have to sell it. We all know we can go refinance that property. We can pull up our cash. It says my internet is unstable. So I hope that it's not frozen. Well, we had a little, Um, it was a little glitch, but it's still going out. We're we're still okay. okay. Yep. Okay. So we know now that. Anybody that wants to unlock the value um, in the equity, we can get that. We can go refinance that. We can pull that money out by getting a new mortgage. Well, back then I didn't know that, so I thought, well, I'll just sell it. And yes, I did end up selling it for for double the amount. So back then it was two hundred, and then I bought it for two twenty, and I ended up selling for four forty or something like that, and did pay a, a chunk of capital gains. And I did take a little a little bit of a break from from the landlording because at that time it was like, oh, okay, like this investment made sense. I mean, it did well. You know, I did use some of that invest some of that money to put into stocks and I didn't and and maybe help with a car payment, but I didn't necessarily roll it right into another investment. I did, you know, I was asking myself, do I want to continue being a landlord? You know, I wasn't sure of that because really I was working full time. That was my career. You know, you go to school for all these years and you get a job that that's good. You're like, well, then that's what I should be focusing on. Right. And so I did take a bit of a break, I think. And instead there was actually, let me think about this. There was, what year was that? Yeah, I did take a bit of a break. Um, and then it wasn't until 2006, I bought my, my, my next, my next investment property. Okay. 
No, here, gang, here, here's one of the things you'll find is um, real estate investors, once you start acquiring properties, like, you know, like you're going out shopping for furniture and, and we'll get into that in a second here with, with Carlene more in, in detail of this. Sometimes the, the, the memory gets a little foggy about the ones yeah, and going on there. It's just going, and then all of a sudden, sometimes people actually associate their, um, purchases to a, well, baby number one came at this property, baby number two came here and stuff like that. So you, you dove back in, you bought another place. Give us the story about how you're, how you started growing after that, because obviously the reason why we're having, and we'll get to the, to the end here in a, in a bit, but um, you're in this business full time and you have a, a substantial portfolio now. So it, it, it started slow, but it was starting to build some momentum yeah. along the years, wasn't it? It was. And I think, um, you know, if I look back at what even I'm telling you, you know, it does start slow because you 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 don't have that confidence and you don't have the data points quite yet to say, hey, now go at it full force. Like, I mean, you should, you know, proceed somewhat cautiously if that's kind of like, um, you know, at least some advice, um, but always stopping at you still got to take action. So anyways, that you're right. I did start rather uh, kind of like that. Like I wasn't like, I need to buy 10 properties at once. I'll tell you what made a difference too was I started then I was happy with just, you know, two or three properties. I was like, okay, that's good enough. You know, it's just at least making, helping me, helping my money work uh, for me, I suppose. But it wasn't until I decided to read a few books, which were Don Campbell's books. I think it was in 11, get back into real estate after my second child. Um, And I was like, I felt like I had the energy, the time and the, not necessarily the time, at least the, the interest to get back into it. Nice. And I think from there, I guess I would say is sometimes you really have to um, work with your, your life and, and the times and the seasons of your life. Like, you know, what I've learned is honestly, real estate will always be there for you. There's so many things about real estate, um, so many avenues, so many strategies that you can take on, but it has to be right for your life at the time. Yep. So agree. It's funny. I was just recently asked a question on another podcast I was on and they asked the question is, you know, tell us about your, your story about how you got started. And I, and I answered it by, I answered it a different way than I normally would answer it. I said, what, which, which version of me do you want me to tell you the getting started story of? And they say, what do you mean? I go, well, in my personal opinion within real estate, I'm on version 4.0 of my business of what I'm doing. And I said, which version would you like? The version 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, or 4.0, right? And um, I think we all have different elevations and different versions of of what we're doing. So, you know, for you, if I'm kind of paraphrasing your story, version 1.0 was kind of getting that first place in Calgary and learning to cut your teeth. And and then version 2 was, you know, selling it and moving on to next. And then babies came along and, you know, life Mm -hmm. got in the way. And then version, you know, 2 and three was you're starting to buy more at scale. What version of your story would you think you're on right now? <laughs> okay. So that's, if I was going with that, I think I'm at version like five, I would nice. say. Nice. Yeah. 5.2 or five, five Oh, <laughs> or where are you? <laughs> Gosh, I just, I've never even thought about that, you know, but I, you know, it is definitely a continuous evolution. I've been learning and growing so much 
Um, and I'm so excited that it's not going to end here. Yep. It totally is not. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm already doing something new even this year, even as I've had some focus that there's so much opportunity. And I have to apologize to, you know, maybe your audience. For some reason, my internet has been unstable for the last week. And I do not know why. Well, I, I know why is because all of those 50,000 people that are moving to Calgary and they're starting to tap <laughs> yeah. into the same pipe of all that kind of stuff, too. And somebody right. was, like that's it's quite ridiculous what's going on there. But I, I do want to and, and, and I know you're being really humble here, Carlene, to be honest with with your story. When did you when did you really start going for it? like when did you transition out of work and when did you start building and developing and adding portfolio and you're adding properties at scale here when when did that yeah. kind of when did that pivot happen for you? So that pivot definitely happened um, probably in the 2019, 2020. So even though I had been doing this for a while, even though my first property was literally like, you know, um, 20 years ago, I would say that grew quite a bit more when I ended up not continuing with oil and gas and actually saying, hey, I'm going to do this full time. And doing this, but I will say, you know, this is version five because version four, there was there was a period that I didn't talk about. It. I'm not going to take, but I will say, you know, you get a bit more confident. And I acquired, you know, you know, six or seven personal properties, but it wasn't until really over the last few years when I said I'm really going to commit to this, and also helping other people do this, is when um, I really then started getting more traction and more more personal direction too yep. on, on where I want to go. Awesome. No better time than right in the middle of COVID to just uh, grow and scale. <laughs> and when when did you leave your, your work? Was it around that same time? I think it was near, I, I think the end of 2018, beginning okay. of 2019. So I had one year to kind of just yep. also, you know, take a look at, you know, where, where do I want to grow my portfolio? So still at that time, I knew I wanted to go do more, but I didn't have a clear plan yet. You know, I was still trying to figure out at that time, you know, how do I grow this? If I am going to help other people, I have to then be open to working with other people and the other people's money. At that time, too, to be honest, I was also wondering, I had this desire to to coach, too. And that kind of, I guess there was there was two objectives that were kind of fighting each other. And so I think it was in 2019 that I decided, no, I really want to do focus on real estate. And there's a reason why. Because with investing, I just feel like it's an asset. And, and we always hear about how it's about time in um, in real estate and not when you get in. And so when you, when I did decide to focus on real estate investing, then I was able to grow that okay. portfolio. Well, here's a, and I'm going to unpack what you just, something you just said there. And I want to, I want to hear from you kind of the the mental gymnastics that you maybe have gone went through or, or not maybe you didn't mm-hmm. um you said something that you really didn't have the the plan formulated but you dove in with both feet from my understanding you have a little bit of an analytical brain and things like mm-hmm. that and you know when i when we had our previous conversation you're talking about forecasting and financial models and modeling this building costs and then and i would imagine you're very you're very detail orientated on the numbers how did somebody who's really analytical and detail on the numbers make that transition without having a plan, like a fully formed plan in place? Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Good question. I think if I look at how I usually proceed, even when I worked in oil and gas, even though I was number focused, 
I was never that type of person where I was like, I need, this is my five or 10 year goal. And that's what I'm trying to achieve. I was although what, what I was good at though, was always knowing when I've kind of hit that thing. I've never, I was never complacent. And I always felt like I always knew when to take that next step. So it could be like, okay, you know, I feel like maybe I need another challenge or a different role, or I'm going after the next raise. But it wasn't like I needed to hit a certain number or a certain thing down the road. So in that same sense, I felt like I did know in my gut. No, I won't say I didn't know for sure, but I did feel in my gut that I should be doing what I was like really did love, like that I had an interest in. But it wasn't a sure thing. I did have a lot of doubts. There's nothing, there's no voice that said, this is what you're meant to do. I can say that now quite confidently that this is the place I I should be in. But um, back then it wasn't like that. And, um, you know, there were days when there was just, there were insecurities or there were um, just, just not sure. But you work through it because once you'd always take that next step, whether it's like, okay, well, what's that next investment? Or hey, what's the next, you know, I'm looking, what's the next offer I have to put out? Or what's the next tenant? By then, you just find yourself, you've moved. Yeah, yeah. And it's, here's the thing, gang, is it's for everybody, it's different. Everybody has a different process they go to. I was working with a client out your neck of the woods and for the longest time, and, and by on the surface, like the assets, the properties, the other businesses, all this kind of stuff, it was all in place. Like everything was in place. And I said, when are you handed in your resignation letter? <gasps> he just would, mm-hmm. like, he just wouldn't do it. And then on some cases, I have some other people say, when are you handing in your resignation letter? And they're going, oh, tomorrow. And it's just like, I go, no, well, let's put a plan in place. They go, I don't, who cares? What plan? You know, they, they drop a, the plan, right? <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so everybody's different. And that's why I just, I just wanted to have that conversation because sometimes, you know, sorry to steal a Tony Robbins here is success leaves clues. And I'm just kind of wondering about what your process was to do this. And I I imagine it just was, Mm -hmm. you were just following something that you love to do and you wanted to do it at a higher level. And you just said, now's the time for this is the next step. Was that maybe a fair way of saying it or, or you tell me. That's probably a more concise way because I will say, you know, I do tend tend to kind of ramble a bit, but I think what it was was, I did sense, like, I did listen to myself and just sense that it was the right time. Because, oh, I think, you know, I'm leaving it out, but it's because I had come back from mat leave after my third child. And as every time I came back from mat leave, I was getting further and further away from the kind of role, like from feeling like it was the role that I was meant to spend time in, you yeah. know, if I'm, and also people, you know, when you have children, you do kind of, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a fight for your time because it's like, well, if I'm spending time here, I'm not spending it time there. So what that meant, it doesn't necessarily mean it made spending time away bad. It just meant that the value of that time was so much higher. And I had to think carefully about where I was spending it. Right. So, and every time I came back from that leave, I was kind of getting further, a, a bit further away from where I wanted to be because you know, as anybody, like a career woman, career, you know, any, anybody, it's like you, you take, you take a step back every time you, you go on, you know, there are sacrifices there. And uh, for me, happy to make those for my, for my kids. There's no doubt there, but that gave me the opportunity to reassess whether that was right for me. Yeah. Um, I would say, and I'm not going to steal your words for you. I would actually surmise each baby that came, you took a step forward to your true purpose and calling. 
you didn't take a step back. You actually took I love a, that. you actually walked forward into something and you just got clearer around what's most important to you and what's most important to you right. is your family, your time serving and helping others and each baby that came on board you you could let go of the, the job you could let go of that because you were walking into your purpose yeah and i think you know it's so funny because at the time you just don't really notice that though and so i just you know just really empathizing with a lot of yeah. women where there is that struggle it's like you know it's you know i but what i really propose now honestly is that it, it doesn't have to be a fight for one or the other. I really feel like no matter what, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're working from home, whether you're, um, you know, have your own business, you can still make it work, but you have to know what balance is right for yourself. And you have to then think about it in a way that allows yourself to flourish in that way. If you're, if you do have that struggle you're and, and you're not present, well, then you're always feeling like you should be doing better on one side or the other, but it, you know, and when I look back, you know, I missed the part where, you know, in between this last growth, like version 5.0, we'll say around four, um, where I had had my second baby, even ran actually, I was an accidental fast food owner, to tell you the truth. I'm not going to go, that could be a whole other thing. So I'm just saying that happened while I was on that leave with my second child. But then coming back, I also, that's when I started growing a few of my properties, but I also then um, invested in some larger limited partnerships and I was a limited partner. So that was a way where, you know, you can still go after your goals of investing and growing your wealth, but you don't have to always do it in the way that you think. And so looking back, as I look through the different versions, um, I did have different investing strategies that was right for that time. Yep. Now, now here's the thing is it's funny how sometimes when you when you reflect and tell your story a little bit, it's like it's almost like the analogy I use is like your children in many respects is every single day with the kids, you know, you don't see them growing every day. But then when you actually take a look back or maybe uncle or or somebody who hasn't seen the kids for six months or a year, oh my goodness, they're growing like weeds. Look how big they are and stuff like that. So so it's funny how within our journeys is um, sometimes by just zooming out, looking at yes. it from a bigger picture, you can see the growth and the versions that you've gone through. I I, I want to pivot here shortly into into kind of Calgary and, and a little bit what's going on there and then also kind of what you're doing. But if we were to zoom to kind of what you're doing today, like uh, mm -hmm. what does your portfolio look like today? If you don't, I don't know, how, how do you measure your portfolio? You measure by dollars on assets under management or doors or things like that. Mm -hmm. What are we looking at today for you? I guess I measure it by, you know, door growth. I guess doors. I'm at 85 now, and but also you know the dollars transacted. And for me, most of my portfolio is you know I haven't, I don't do as much buying and selling. Um, you know I'm a, a believer in kind of uh, buying holds. I like that strategy of mortgage pay down, letting the market appreciate. So I've transacted on now 20 million, 85 doors. It's growing also as well with the developments that I'm doing. So. Um, yeah. Car Carlene, Carlene, just hang on a sec here. First of all, <laughs> in in any circle that you're going to mostly be in, if you 
Quentin sold some of you, you've done 20 plus million dollars and you've got 85 doors and your stuff like that. The comment is, holy crap, right? It's like sometimes we're just, we're humble. We're humble Canadians, like 85 doors. Carlene, hang on. We got to get some fire. You're bringing the fire here, right? <laughs> and And that's fantastic. Like, honest to goodness, from that first property that you bought that you didn't know what you were doing with with gruff rough biker guy now i don't know if he was a biker guy or not i just made that up but that's a fun way to tell the story is tell the story as this biker guy blah 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 but anyways to get to a point where it's 85 units and you know 20 plus million dollars assets under management and i honestly think this is just the tip of the iceberg for you you're just getting warmed up you're in like the second inning of a nine inning ball game here so so I know, I know most of us are the hardest on ourselves and we know we don't pat ourselves on the back, but I'm patting you on the back. So Carlene, you can do me his favor. Take your right hand, put it in the air, put it, <laughs> put it on your left shoulder and go pat, 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 pat. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Spring has sprung, and we're starting to see purchase activity come back to the market. In fact, we're starting to see multiple offers all over again in some markets. On that note, I wanted to share with you a tip about amortizations, because as you arrange for a mortgage, amortization obviously is going to have a big impact on your ability to pay that mortgage fast or slower, as well as on your cash flow. Here is something about amortizations that many clients don't know about. On the residential side, meaning one, two, four unit properties, rental properties, including sometimes five or six unit rental properties, clients assume that they can qualify for a 30 year amortization. On the multifamily front, clients assume that they can get a 50-year amortization with CMC. Both of these things are true. They are options that are available to you. However, amortization is bound by what's called the economic life of the property. Think about it this way. If you're going to lend money on a property, you want to make sure that that property is going to outlive the loan. So if a lender is giving you a loan at a 30-year amortization, they want to make sure that that property is going to outlive that 30-year by at least five years. The economic life is something that the appraisers talk about in the appraisal report. And the age of the property, as well as its condition, influence that number. I've seen sometimes amortizations come below what's expected. However, going back to the appraiser with context around what the property is all about, any work you've done on it can sometimes help the situation. And I've seen appraisers reconsider the economic life with proper context because a lot of things can really go wrong based on assumptions and clarification, communication and context are everything. So keep that in mind. Now, if you're going to select amortization, assuming the economic life is there, I invite you to consider the longest amortization that is possible. So on a residential property, go for a 30 years. If you are qualifying with a B lender, take the 35 year or the 40 year. 
On the commercial side, multifamily side, if you're applying for a CMHC mortgage and the property qualifies, take the extended amortization. Why? Because an extended amortization is going to offer you breathing room. It will help your cash flow, especially in these markets we're in right now. Give yourself choices. You can always control what's called the effective amortization on a mortgage through the prepayment privileges. So let's take a 30-year AM mortgage. If you were to go with a bi-weekly accelerated payment, you can cut off about four years of the life of that mortgage. You can cut that down to about 26 years. What you will see in the market is that some lenders are going to offer you discounted rates on shorter amortizations. Don't be tempted to just look at the rate. Look at the big picture. Yes, you're going to get a more expensive rate taking a 30-year but if you go to a rate calculator and run the math, you will see that your cash flow is going to be better as a result of the extended amortization despite the higher interest rate. And then you can choose how fast or slow you want to go. To support investors who are currently purchasing properties, we are offering a fantastic promotion, not just in Ontario, but across many other provinces, including Alberta, British Columbia, Nova Scotia, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and New Brunswick. And here is what it is. If you are buying a residential property of one to four units, and you are submitting an offer to us within the next 90 days, regardless of the closing date, then we are happy to cover all of your legal fees, excluding disbursements, if you're buying something at $700,000 or more. And we would cover half of your legal fees, excluding disbursements, if you're buying something at $500,000 or more. If you are in the market for a multifamily property, whether you're purchasing or refinancing, then we are giving back $5,000 cash back for loan amounts above a million dollars. Again, if you submit your deal to us within the next 90 days, regardless of the closing date. We are here to support you. We're happy to answer any of your questions. If you would like to utilize these promotions, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com and use the code COVERMYLEGALFEES. <laughs> uh, looks more like a high five there, but yes, They're thank both, you. Yes. I appreciate that. So congratulations, first and foremost. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that story. And uh, is there anything is there anything in your story that um, maybe if you've been doing a few of these, that maybe you haven't told the story of something of a story that you haven't told about your journey that you would think would be a value for somebody listening here today? Honestly, I mean, I will say, you know, it's the power of being surrounded by people that um, are doing what you do. So I would say, you know, this is how I met you, Ethel, is when I did um, join the RAIN network. And, um, you know, you guys used to hold the monthly meetings and um, the conferences, I think every quarter or something. And those were for me, the change because, you know, when you're just on your off on your own, um, you like get busy and you're just like doing your work thing, doing your family thing um, and, and doing the real estate thing when you have time. But when you actually put yourself in a network um, and you have like kind of specific time dedicated to a certain topic, such as real estate, it really does um, 
help you grow. I mean, one of the key things that I learned when I was part of that network was that you have to run it like a business. And I really did embrace that concept because truly, you know, um, I really, even now when I help people and I talk to people about real estate investing, it's like your own mini business. You are a min, like you are an entrepreneur. Yes. Go, go have your career and have that, all the benefits of all of that. But if you run kind of like a side business as a real estate investor, like there's so much freedom in knowing you can um, rely on yourself or you have another source or another avenue um, to support yourself and your family. Um, It gives you confidence in yourself knowing that you can figure things out and make things happen and not just be directed from the CEO of you know, and saying, having that flow come down to you. It's like you're directing how that goes. Yeah. I just wanted to say that being in that network helped. Oh, that's awesome. Like it really truly is who you surround yourself is the altitude that you'll take things to. And, 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 and every it's time, sometimes you get into different circles as you go on those versions and you, you, you enter and go into a different, you have a different seat at a different table, if you will. And it's okay if you, you know, transition from one table to the next table because that's the Absolutely. direction you want to go, and that's yeah. t- totally fine. All right, so then, um, two 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 lines of que- question. I and con- not question. I don't want to. I'm inquisitive. I'm, I'm going to be an inquisitor here of the questions. Um, two lines of um, conversation. I like to get into. I always like to get a pulse of what's going on in all the markets across the country. And I'm fairly up to speed with what's going on in Calgary and area, but, but I always like to get people's perspective that are there. Like, so if someone came to you and said, Carlene, I've heard these something's going on in Calgary. Like what's your best answer to somebody about what's happening on the, on the, the boots on the ground in Calgary right now? Well, there's definitely um, things happening. Like if you take a look around, um, going up not necessarily downtown high rises that's downtown high rises is not not downtown but all around in the neighborhoods you're seeing construction infills are going up even as like a, a landlord i'm getting a lot of interest on any i don't even have that many uh, units available but when they do i get a lot of interest and now yes the the rents have been going up to kind of meet that demand as well so that's what i've been seeing yeah, and it's just yeah. you know what what is your best why why are people moving to Calgary in your in your opinion why why do you think people are moving there like you can definitely feel yeah. the vibe and the pulse on the street and yeah. you see the Tim Hortons line is now you know twenty five cars deep and stuff like that right. why are people moving into Calgary well Calgary and and I'm I mean you're asking about Calgary well I will say specifically like I do invest in Calgary as well as Edmonton yep. but yeah like I think um, and we'll we'll talk about Edmonton as well but okay so yeah yeah I think it honestly it's affordable and yep. things are happening like I mean the jobs the the I guess the vacancy rates are going down because there are more demand people is coming people are coming here for jobs um, I will say you know it's not like how it used to be but at the same time all of the industries I mean. Things are picking up for sure. And partly that has to do with how expensive it's gotten in all the rest of Canada, right? It's just natural that when you get priced out of a market, you know, as somebody who may, who, you know, may be making a little less and you're like, you just can't afford it. You're going to look to another place where there are jobs that you can actually afford to raise your family. Um, and I think that really is why. Yeah. And, and 
no, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm sitting here and I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. I phoned on a on a listing on a property out in my area, and I just, you know, sometimes I just like having a conversation because sometimes I might be missing something. And I was asking the question. I was asking the question of the guys. I go, "Who's buying these places? Like they're, you know, two million dollars side by side duplexes and in the lower mainland. Like who's buying them?" And he goes, well, they're, they're move up buyers, people that have maybe bought condo and cash and equity and they're moving up. And I go, okay, got it. Well, who's buying those condos that are six hundred to $800,000? And he goes, well, most of it's, you know, people, family money getting into the first time home buyer. And I go, so you tell me that somebody has to die in order for you to get a down payment in order to, to stuff like that. Now, I could be wrong, and maybe I'm just looking at it completely wrong, but if a, if a market is at 140% affordability, right. who's buying the first-time home? Who's the first-time home buyers? And they're getting completely priced out. They're literally sitting there, I make $30 an hour working a really good job. And in all intents and purposes, that's a fantastic hourly wage. I have $100,000 from family and grandparents. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have down payment. And they're going, well, how do I afford a $700,000 mortgage payment on a $30 an hour job? And then right. I and then I sit there and I go, well, let's take a look over here, which you can get for that same 800000 in Edmonton. You can actually get a house with multiple rental helpers, and you could probably be into it for, for less money. And you probably would uh, probably in, be into it for... 500 to a thousand bucks in payments a month at the most. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I think people are coming here to live because the opportunity is there to have a living, right? Where not your last dollar goes to the mortgage, you know, the industry, like the, the companies are doing better so they can afford to, to pay you to come. And then also what's kind of nice is, you know, there, there are investors that are investing here now too. So you, you not only have the demand, like, competition from people that literally just want to move here for themselves. But, you know, you also have investment dollars here yeah. because it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, we um, we are not in a real estate bubble here at all. Um, if anything, you could be quite confident that you're entering pretty much at the low. And, you know, that, you know, I can't necessarily say that elsewhere. You know, there could be, you know, more growth in these other markets, but it's also kind of scary not knowing where you are in that curve. Yep. I think for all those reasons, you know, that's why right now Calgary and like Alberta is, is quite popular. Yeah. Now I have, you know, I, I 100% agree. Now, now do they, do they kick you out of Calgary when you, when you say that you prefer Edmonton over Calgary in investment? Like, do they, do they make you turn in your Calgary card if you say that you, now it, it might be one and one A, I don't know. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you had a given a choice, would you pick Calgary or Edmonton right now? Okay. That's a hard question. Okay. I will say that's a very hard question because I really like both and they both have their benefits. Yep. Um, they have the overall Alberta benefit of being, you know, landlord friendly, you know, already at the low end of kind of like the price curve that I think we'll be seeing for all of those reasons. It's like, I will, it, it'll be between the two, but, but, you know, they're just different. Like Edmonton um, is a bit more blue color, but it's got a more rounded um, industry, you know, with government and healthcare, uh, more secondary services oil and gas services, whereas, you know, Calgary is more like white collar and head offices. They are, they have been promoting it to be business friendly. And so they are diversifying, diversifying as well into like more technology businesses. But overall, they both have 
their pros. And I am almost equally invested in both. Well, good, good politicians answer there, Carly. I'm not, I, I 100%. I, I was, I was, had a big smile. For those in audio, had a big smile on her face. Carlene gets to keep her Calgary residence card and she actually gets to, to, to be invited up to Edmonton every once in a while, too. So, right, right. But, but, but it's, it, you know, you hit the nail on the head at the end is you are equally invested in both. And if somebody came yeah. up to me and said, Calgary, Edmonton, I put out a video a little over a year ago and I was very, very clear on the direction mm-hmm. you need to go. Yeah. 12, a year later, I look back at it as I would have done better in Calgary over the past right. 12 months. But right. now yeah. what do I recommend today? Like today right. going forward that I'm, I would stick to my original thesis over a year ago at that time, but I was wrong over the last 12 months. Yeah. Calgary did phenomenally well over the last 12 months and Edmonton, you know, lagged behind. And I'm just, just be honest with that. But at the same time, where Calgary goes, Edmonton typically follows. And yeah. if you want to be on the lower part of that growth curve, if you want to see what's going to happen to Edmonton, just take a look at Calgary. And yeah. I believe that that's where that's going. So I'll get off my soapbox. Right. I'll get off my soapbox. No, <laughs> but I think that's a good point. But then also, I will also add that it depends on what your strategy is too as well. So, you know, I was actually investing in Calgary for quite a while. I still balance that with, you know, some in Edmonton through a number of years. But it wasn't until I started really looking into the 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 bylaw changes and the opportunity to kind of um, add density um, in the inner city neighborhoods that I was first focused in Calgary. But through COVID, when the costs were rising, but the rents had not, I had to put a pause on that strategy because I was like, hold on, like it makes more sense to do these eight unit stacked townhouse builds in Edmonton because for the same amount, for the same, for a lower cost, I'm actually getting better valuation or at least the same valuation there. Whereas in Calgary, it costs more, but the rents hadn't yet increased enough to actually support the higher price of the building to then, you know, execute on my plan for, to build these purpose-built rentals. Yep and hold them for the short term. So so that's why you have to kind of really look at yeah, the market what's happening then and it does it does fluctuate. Yeah, and and really you if I can hear you if I can summarize what you said is your capital goes farther in Edmonton at the moment you can get more for for similar capital and you have a potential for an income bump on rents which maybe haven't done the 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 the, the growth curve like Calgary has had so buy it cheaper have potential to rent it for more so in my opinion that makes that makes good sense doesn't it <laughs> yeah and i think if anything it just shows you like you have to be kind of like you have to have to kind of pivot. You have to really be in touch with what's happening because I could have gone ahead yep. and I could have um, built when um, the prices of construction were almost doubling. Like there, but it wouldn't make any sense, and yep. I would never do anything like that, especially if I am working with investors. So, so, but now, but now, take like a year later, the rents in Calgary have gone up twenty five percent, and now I'm like, hold on, yes, Calgary is more expensive to get in, but now. These rents are supporting the valuation I would want to see in doing a development. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I 100% know what you mean. So yeah. so I guess to, to really summarize that answer, if if a, an opportunity in Edmonton came along and an opportunity of Calgary came along, you, your answer would be, yes, how do I buy both? 
That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) How's that for a better answer, eh? (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, so, so let's, are you okay if we dive down a little bit of the, the infill development? Like here's the thing is that could be an entire conversation in and of itself. And we, we literally could put a, a, a program together for, for, 20 hours and we still wouldn't even scratch the surface it's it's a deep a deep onion to unravel in that whole mm-hmm. world of of development so what is your model that you do do you do you go by like an infill lot and then you rezone it redevelop and build and then own or do you buy the end product like to talk us a little bit about your your process of doing okay. infill properties that's exactly what i do so basically um you know, I think I was seeing, I was seeing a little bit of these like townhouse complexes being built, and and together with actually an architect friend of mine, um, you know, we were like, you know, this is really a market, like something that we can get into and really go further with because yes, there's a whole bunch of like you can you can still invest in real estate and do the single family houses, suited ones, even fourplexes, but this was really an opportunity that I think. Um, was kind of untapped because the city at that time they were a bit slow. Edmonton was a bit was actually faster, but you know they were making some uh, rule changes in their uh, land bylaws. And so um, what they did was make it easier for people to actually convert the change the land designation from a like a single family in Calgary. The government the government had made it um, easier for the development of multi-unit buildings where there once used to be like a single family house. So what that would require is you would have to put in a land redesignation application. You have to then support that that location, it made sense for for them to approve of that higher zoning, that higher density. Um, But again, only doing that with certain lots that would likely get the approval. You're not gonna go around and buy lots and then do this application if the chances of that were you weren't insured you know when i do this plan i know what i'm doing i know which lots to target and so we that's what i've been doing so i would buy um, a lot with an existing house usually i don't do that much work with empty land it just kind of mitigates your risk a bit you can still rent it while you do your your regulatory stuff and then get approval get your development plan in construct yeah yeah. And, and honestly, it's gang, it's, it's funny. It's like, I've lots of people asked, and I've been asking a lot of questions about this too, is like, so what can you do? It, it's almost like, you know, that's, it's, it's a difficult question to answer is because each one can almost be something a little bit different in many respects. Like you can, you can, what am I trying to say? So you can get it to a point where it makes sense that you can put on a six unit here, an eight unit here. You can turn this lot sideways and put on four towns with, with lower suites. Like there's, there's the key thing is that being able to just pivot. And it's almost like a game of Lego in many respects. I'm seeing like that is like, how many building blocks can you put on here? And and, and the good, the yes. good news is the cities in Alberta are favorable for adding density. Now go figure, go think yeah, about that. Yeah. Right. 
So in, yes. in many jurisdictions across the country, it's like density is like everybody talks density, but nobody acts, no, no local municipal government wants to actually do anything about it. Right. And I would say, you know, it's taken Calgary a while too. Like I would say, um, you know, they, they did start with the legal basement program um, quite a number of years ago, and now they really are pushing for that. And they've made some recent changes that really will allow like they've and they give you really specific parameters if you're within 600 or 400 meters from an LRT or or if you are on the main street or if so they give you really specific parameters to work with so that maybe you then know what to target and number two you know once you find a lot I love that creative aspect it really is about finding the best and highest use and and maximizing that lot yeah yeah that's what I the best way I could describe it is um they're very good with giving you the rules of engagement for as is what you what you can work with. Now, here's the cool thing is what you potentially can work with is fantastic and it might just plug and play. And then they're also, you know, reasonably favorable if you do need to make some changes and some pivots and some things if you're if you're doing if you're following all the right steps. But at the same time, it all time and money comes down to really it can take take longer to do it takes more approvals it takes more money at the end of the day pull, yeah. out, your, pull out your checkbook is really the answer to it right yes and figuring that out right because then you're doing like say discretionary versus contextual yep. and then you're doing you know do you ask for variances or just kind of go the easy way and just you know yeah. So what have you done? What have you done over the years? Now, I think when I when we first talked, you were, I think you did your first one, was it 2019 or 2020 when you did your first kind of conversion? And what have you kind of, what have you kind of have, have bought and converted mm-hmm. into? Maybe just give us a picture of what, yeah. the, what it looks like. Well, done a couple of upzonings in Calgary, one to like an MCG, um, another one into an RCG, which both of these will allow for these complexes. So, and, up, sorry, just upzoning, meaning you took something uh, that was zoned once and you reapplied to get it to a new higher zoning? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, something that you could kind of build build more or bigger on. Okay. Um, and then in, and then at that, at that time, too, is when I kind of put a halt in Calgary because I was waiting for, you know, the lights to turn more green. They weren't yet. So then I moved my attention to Edmonton where the numbers made more sense. And um, since then, I've got about seven projects underway. It was uh, a bit quieter last year while a lot of these projects were in, in the development phase with the city, with the Calgary, I'm sorry, with the planning department getting the approvals. But now this year is when they're all actually under construction. Wow. So did you say you have seven projects on the go right now? Uh, seven, yes. Seven. <laughs> Hang on a sec. That that deserves um, that deserves some fire. <laughs> Congratulations. That's that's and, and and you do that all with a with a smile on your face and three babies and, and all that kind of stuff too and, and, and all that good stuff as well. I am. I am doing that today. I won't say that's every day, right? As any mom knows, and uh, you know, and not just any any investor knows. There are so many ups and downs, right? Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this and at a high level, and I could say this is what was done. But I mean, it is really just the individual days where you actually yeah. just cross off those tasks. You know, make sure you know what you need to do to get you to to where you are today and yeah. and what you need to do for the future. So, so you're not just saying you just rolled out of bed and just 
ta-da, here I am. No, (laughs) No, I will say, you know, it does take a lot of, I would say dedication. Like I haven't really veered too much, you know, ever since I started, I've always been pretty like direct in terms of, I know that real estate is going to help me with my family goals of, you know, reading it, freedom and able to support them. But, you know, and even looking at different strategies, it was always, it was always still very focused. Um, if you don't mind, and I know I'm not going to go into all the, the minutia detail of it because we could be here forever, like I said. Um, but obviously, if you're doing multiple projects, the numbers make sense to you. And we can go down to the penny because I imagine you have those down to the pennies. But, you know, just a, a, a typical project, like what kind of what mm-hmm. kind of a person maybe buy a piece of land for? What can they build it for? What can they have at the end? Will these cash flow? How are you finance? Mm-hmm. I know that's a big question. And there was seven questions in there. But I could. I can. And yeah. do you want so me how to does, start yeah, with just, or, do you, or do you want me to start with Whichever one you feel more comfortable talking about. Which okay. is there one that you have a pet project yeah. that has a fun story to it? Gosh, I mean, I don't have a pet one. There's okay. one that I dislike the most. But I also think it might be a really good win. Um, that was one in Edmonton where I did get quite a bit of um, objection from the neighborhood when I was doing thing. And but I also think that that might be the most one of the most profitable ones. You know, well, once I finish. Well, let's but talk also, about that one if you if you don't mind. Let's talk about that one. Well, that one I I would I'm not going to go into because that one I haven't actually oh, okay, okay. yet. But I want to be able to answer your questions. So yep. let's just say in Edmonton, if you're like if you're not familiar with the market, you could get a lot, you know, between you know 300 and 450. Like it depends on whether you get it if you're whether you get it and then you go through the rezoning process or you get one already zoned for this eight plex or eight plex. Um, yep. And then just start with the with the development plan. So that makes a difference in the pricing, but that's kind of a range that you can kind of expect. Gotcha. And um, to build these these complexes, I would say also the the prices are different between Edmonton and Calgary. Um, you know, all in you know the cost of these projects are between one point eight and like two. So and that includes the land typically. Right. That includes the land. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, you know there aren't that many listings available because most people building them are keeping it yep. for themselves, either they're developers uh, or they do what I'm doing, where I invite investors to come in and we all hold it together. Yep. Um, but really, but really, that's kind of the range that you can see. But I will, I will bring investors in at that price, at the cost. But they're actually, I've gotten as complete appraisals, I've gotten completed appraisals, and they are in the um, 2.3, for a larger project, even 2.6. So there is a spread there where that's why I feel like it makes sense to just hold them and be able to generate some cash and some income um, from it as a rental Nice. And, and, and what we're talking about these is is a, is a really nice brand new build of a four town home project four in a row with lower suites. Is that is that that's right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I So do. essentially eight rental units, four townhomes, yeah. lower suite, no, no strata, no, no condo fees. And what do you have for do you have garage and parking on there as well? I do. I do like garage separate base. Yep. Are you or, able yeah. to um are you able to put a a garden suite, a garage suite on them yet? Did you have you tried that I, route? 
So we have we have a couple that haven't started under construction, but the plans are in as well. So you can actually make them nine units. Yeah, that's that's one of the and yeah. I'm not, there's there's you many things have... as once you once you dive into the bylaws and, and things. It's yes. like I was talking. We were talking with a, a builder. And he goes, he goes, um, he goes, Ross, he goes, that's maybe the way you read this and interpret this. He goes, but if you, if I read this, it says this and, and we're going, mm-hmm. he goes, well, you know, in the Eskimo language, there's like seven different ways of saying the word snow. He goes, <laughs> I read it this way. And he goes, okay, well, then he got that approved. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, and I think sometimes that's it. Right. And, and I think there is sometimes room for that. What's that word I'm looking for? Interpretation. Right. Yes. Um, and, and then you want to be able to use that to your advantage. And so definitely, you know, when you're looking at the different possibilities, like I said, you kind of want to build the most that you can because, you know, depending on your your goal, is it an investment? If it is, you want to maximize your your rental revenue. Yeah, cool. And then, and then so are you at a point where you've been renting these out and are they renting out quite nicely? Or are you at that point in the in the process? Yes, um, I I. I do have a couple that are rented um, and they are renting nicely as per my projections and uh, there is demand for them. Um, I even kind of go a bit further and I just kind of look for corporate tenants as well because I really feel like these units are really well suited for that in the sense that it's all in one location. You, It's just, it's also easier to manage as a person trying to rent out like yep. numerous uh, units at one time. Nice, nice. So, okay. So on, you had mentioned that you bring investors in on the, and you bring them in at the the purchase of the, the infill lot. And then do they stay right through to the completion and the owning of the asset long-term typically? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. So investors come in and then, so what kind of, how are you financing it kind of on the, on the purchase of the land and the construction? How do you kind of do that up, up front? Um, you know, I haven't done it exactly the same way on each project, but you could you could purchase the land, yep. um, and you could still get bank financing for that. You would put twenty percent down um, as long as either yourself or somebody can qualify. You can hold that while you do your regulatory work, um, and then at the time of construction, you get that construction loan, which pays out the the first land mortgage, yep. and then you go ahead with that on draw mortgages. Right. Yeah. So you just you do whatever it takes to kind of acquire the the house to start, and then and then you apply for seem like construction financing, and then yeah. you at completion you get a completion mortgage at the end. I would imagine. Yeah, but there's there's various ways. Yep. Like so, for example, there's another one where okay, we we had our investors in, so we purchased it outright uh, the land. So then that way, when we actually go under construction, we probably won't need to have that much more um, capital required and you can get either um, you can get your CMHC loans right from the start and you don't necessarily and then it rolls into a takeout or you can get I've done one where I do the traditional financing construction and then I will probably do a regular CMHC takeout and then there's another ones where I like do the MLI select so yeah cool well I'm uh Having on this podcast, a good friend of both of ours, Nadim, is going to be yeah. is coming on there. He's a wonderful resource, and yeah, very, he just yeah, gets yeah. it done. Like it's just like yeah. like, and he's yeah. very he's very creative. He's just very he knows which product to go into where, and it's just good. He's 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 a he's a top notch top notch mortgage broker in this kind of world, and he just he just knows yeah. how the appraisals work. He knows all that kind of stuff, and he's Albertan, and he just just gets her done. It's the best way I can yeah. say it. Yeah. 
For sure. And I would say, yeah, definitely when you're doing these projects, you really want to work with somebody experienced. And sometimes you can tell, um, talking to different people, they may have done one or two, but you really want to work with somebody because you, in commercial financing, there's so many little things that come up, um, requirements, like the stack of paper you find at a lawyer's doing that is about this thick. <laughs> when I'm doing a residential purchase, I can get that done and signed and everything 20 minutes. The other one takes an hour. Yeah. So that just shows you how much more it is. And so you want to be able to rely on somebody that can kind of guide you. Nice. How did you, how did you know you were ready to make this transition? Did you, did you know, or did you just do, did you just jump in and just did one and and decided from there? And like, how does somebody make this transition? Okay. That's a good question. A couple of things. Okay. So for me, I'm, I'm a numbers oriented person. So when I look at investments, I don't, just go by gut or anything. It really does have to make sense on paper, you know, on a spreadsheet. Um, and, you know, even there, it's not a sure thing. I mean, it really is as good as your assumptions behind it, right? And your research behind it. So if I have that as a, a bit of a, a start, then it's a matter of, you know, do you stick, do you stay there where you're kind of guessing and you're just not sure? Or do you say, hey, I think this is what what makes sense, but where where what do I need to do to get comfort around that? So yeah. then maybe on my very first one, I I paid like consultation fees to people. So sometimes people feel like they have to be friends or make friends with um, people in the know and just try to gather as much information that they can. But what they don't, maybe I don't see as often is that, you know, you can go seek the professionals. You can pay them for their time. They are happy to to give you the information that you need. And it's a win-win for both. And that way you don't feel obligated because maybe you, you were just seeking information, but you may not go with their services or, you know, um, so I really think that helped me in one aspect when I was kind of looking at the legal structure of how I wanted to set up um, my GPLP. I will say I'm like, was one of the first ones in the kind of the, well, like the investor circle that kind of talk about that more. Now it's more common, you know, and I think it's great that we are using that structure more commonly now, but I would say it wasn't, it wasn't as well known. So that's what I did to get comfort around the areas that I needed to understand better before I did proceed. But when I proceed, you proceed kind of taking the steps that you need to look into. Yep. Yep. You just, you, you have to learn to walk by, by learning to walk, right? It's one of yeah. those things, just one step at a time. And lo and behold, uh, you blink and three years go by and you have seven projects on the go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, I, I, I sit there and I, I want, I want the recipe. And I always, in my, in my conversation with people, give me the recipe. And, the, and, and sometimes the answer is just, well, Russ, the recipe is you just do it, right? No, what do you mean? You just, that's not the recipe. Like, what do you have to do? It's one step, but a, no, the Russell, Russell, the answer is you just do it. And then the next step will appear when the next step will appear. Yes. And you take that action. <laughs> and I think that's the cl- the clear thing. It's not do it blindly, do yes. it. But it's actually exactly what you said is that the next step will appear. Yep. So yeah, you take that first step because you do, you know, you you can't sit in kind of that analysis paralysis stage and it could be literally years later and have done nothing and you always, and then you hear people say, oh, I wish I had gone. And it, no, you have to take that step. No, I 100% agree. I would be remiss if I didn't ask, um, where where would somebody be able to find, where are you hanging out on the social media airwaves and stuff like that? Where would, <laughs> where would somebody be able to contact you? 
Um, well, I do have a business page on Facebook and that's True Capital Real Estate. Um, it's T-R-U uh, without the E. Yep. I also am on Instagram um, and my uh, handle is Investor Carlene, C-A-R-L-E-N. And I have my website, um, truecapitalrealestate.com. I got, I got it pulled up here. I was actually was going through oh. it earlier and it's <laughs> yeah. it's some high quality stuff there. You got a, a, a you. nice, nice website that you've put together and, and uh you know, there's the team and everybody there. So, so well done. Looks good. And and I, I like the, um, where was, I was on the um, current projects page. I think you need yeah. to update on some of your yeah, current projects. Yeah, it's actually projects. not really updated, I will say. So I'm a little embarrassed to say it's not updated. Yeah, but you got some nice looking product there, by the mm-hmm. way. That's some, some really Thank good you. solid work that you're, that you're putting in place there as well. So. Well done. Yeah. Well done. I'm very, well, you know, you. I know this doesn't maybe mean anything, but I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of all the work that you've done. And I remember multiple conversations that we've had over the years and, and uh, holy macaroni, you've grown over the years. It's like you've, you've, you've been from the infant to you're, you're literally, you're a leader. You're a true leader in, in, in the industry and you're helping people and you're giving back and you're sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with others. And it's, it's as inspiring as heck to see, Carlene. You've just taken oh, something you. and you've just absolutely just 10X'd it. So congratulations. Thank you. I mean, if anything, I just, I think what's so great about real estate is anybody can get into it. And it's, it's and it's, you don't have to love it like I do. Like it is my passion. I do love it. But it really is and something that's accessible to everybody. If you choose to find the right way, it will help you in your life. And for me, it has helped me grow even as a, a human and just like myself and, yep. and you know, gain, gaining that competency. All of that is there for you if you are open to it. Nice. Well, and and I do have I have one more final question, because I think I think that you you can share some really cool insight here. And the final question I usually like to leave off on the, on these interviews, and I want to be respectful of your time because I know how busy you are and how many things you got on the go, especially with seven projects and <laughs> three little <laughs> ones and, and run and running everything is. Um, so here's the question I usually like to leave people with is if somebody was, if you had a coffee with somebody, say you and I are having a coffee right now and I'm, I'm just feeling a little stuck. I just, I'm just not sure what the next step is. I'm just feeling a little stuck on what action to take. What's some wisdom that you would offer to me or just some, some words that you would offer to me to help me get unstuck and take the Mm -hmm. next step forward? Okay. This is not going to be new advice, but I really do believe that this is helping that you have to figure out where you're stuck. And sometimes it really is just confidence. So it's not that they don't know what to do. You know, it could have been like a whole bunch of people telling you already that you need to do it, but they still don't take it. It's because they're lacking confidence. When you don't believe in yourself, it's hard to say, just do it. So I get that. So that's where if you are that person, then you really should reach out for help. So, you know, there's value in getting a coach and, you know, having a coach that you can borrow their confidence and they will hold your hand. And you know what, whether it's two, whether it's five, whether it's 20 or that, that value you will gain back in real estate by taking action. I guarantee you that. Don't let that stop you from doing what you need. And if it's not that, then find what way can help you take that action. Maybe it is partly being part of like a network or a Facebook group for a while. And maybe that that's exactly what you need. Maybe that takes a little longer, but it's there. So 
don't get, don't stay stuck. Wow. Woo-wee, hang on. It's getting hot in here. I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not new advice, but I just, I really, really think it's or no. that's what I really would say. No, you you brought the fire today, Carlene. So so well done. Like um, honest to goodness. Um, and and I wasn't joking at the beginning when I said that this is probably just the the, the tip of the iceberg for you. Like I'm sitting back here mm-hmm. and I want a bucket of popcorn and I'm going to start. I want to see what the next version of version <laughs> six and seven is for Carlene Sue because it's going to be whatever it is. It's going to be done with style. It's going to be done with grace and it's going to be done with paying it forward to help others. So well done. Well done. Thank you. I look forward to that too. And I yeah. love seeing, yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing you too. Yep. I mean, you're paving a path too and all of like the knowledge you're sharing with everybody. So, you yep. know, the feeling's mutual. Right on. Okay, gang, have yourself a wonderful day and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye yeah. for now, everybody. Bye. So gang, what did you think about today's episode? Wasn't that a wonderful, a wonderful conversation? I, I, you know what, after I was done with our conversation, Carlene and I, first of all, it was fantastic just to catch up. <laughs> it's one of those things now is like, I want to catch up with all these people. And it's like, let's not just have a telephone call. Let's jump on a Zoom call and let's not waste the conversation. What, what's going on in your life? Let's talk and let's record it. Let's have a podcast episode. The stories are just so heartwarming. And you know what? To be brutally honest, they're just so inspiring. And there's a, a wonderful group of real estate investors out there that are just kicking some butt. Okay, gang, um, I'm going to keep the end of this uh, fairly tight. Really wanted to reiterate what I talked about at the beginning. Um, there are some incredible opportunities afoot right now in the real estate markets and your market might be just starting to really start to heat up. Uh, your market might be at a top of a cycle or your market might be at a bottom of a cycle. The key thing you need to know is where your market is in your cycle and adjust your strategies accordingly. If any of you are interested in talking to myself about a couple things, number one is if you're interested in coaching, um, I do have some capacity uh, right now, if you're interested in doing a one-on-one coaching or a group coaching program, I have uh, some capacity and some spaces available. Only do do this open up a couple times a year, usually beginning of the year, usually mid-year, usually fall, things like that. If you're interested in that, let me know. Or if you're interested in getting involved in one of these um, development opportunities in the Edmonton marketplace, honest to goodness, I haven't seen numbers like this for a long time. And if you want to know a little bit more context and backstory to why I'm I'm really excited about this, um, go back and check out episode, um, what episode? Episode 163. And we talked with my um, business associate on a tour of Edmonton, and we shared a wonderful story in there about an infill project that we're looking at. And at the beginning of that episode, I actually shared a story of missed opportunity and the one that got away. But here's the thing. The one that got away ain't going to happen again. I got another one on the line and in another market and a new and the strategy is coming back probably better than it was 20 some years ago. I, I wasn't ready for it then but now I'm ready for it. And if you would like to be ready for this, and if you'd like to be ready for one of these kind of opportunities, by all means, in the notes below, show notes below, email hello at russellwescott.com, hit me up and we can have a conversation to see if there's a fit for you or if there's an opportunity that you can sink your teeth into directly on your own. Okay, gang, until then, always remember in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired. 
encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.